open your Bibles to John chapter 10, or keep them open if you already have them there. The Lord is the great shepherd. Sometimes when you and I read our Bibles, it's easy for us to come away with an idea that these were just stories, maybe like a a book that's a fiction or a novel. But you have to realize that the things that we are reading happened in a real time with real people at a real place. One of the great privileges of visiting the Bible lands is to see the places where Jesus walked, to see the places where these people that we're reading about went, and all the events that surrounded their lives. In John chapter 7, going all the way through John chapter 10, is simply one event in the life of Jesus. We've studied for this for several weeks. If you'll notice in John chapter 7, he's gone to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles. And while he has been there, numerous views have surfaced about who he is. Is he the Christ, the Son of the living God? Was he the prophet of the Old Testament? Or was he someone else, perhaps maybe even a man who was possessed by a demon? All these were views that were presented regarding him. However, there were a number of people who were agitating the situation with Jesus. They were seeking his life. They wanted to kill him. And everything that Jesus did, they worked against him. And so they used an opportunity with a woman taken in adultery in order to entrap our Lord. That's in John chapter 8. As you read on further in John chapter 8, Jesus pointed out that some of them had become slaves to sin and provided for them the truth that sets men free. John chapter 8 and verse 32. Last week we came to John 9 where a blind man was healed and Jesus came out of the temple after having taught and he healed this blind man and then from that developed another opportunity to be able to preach and to teach God's message. If you go all the way back to John chapter 7 and you sort of bookend it, if you will, with chapter 10 verses 19 through 21, you will see that there's still this tension that exists between Jesus and his enemies. And there's also still the question that's up in the air, who is Jesus? John records, therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I'd suggest to you that there's a real battle going on. There's a battle of those who do believe that Jesus is the Son of God and who are amazed by the miracles that he is performing. On the other hand, there are those who hate Jesus. They want him dead. They don't want him to have the power, the influence, because they want it for themselves. Jesus exposed them. He showed them to be who they were and what they were and the fact that there was malice in their heart. They hated him so much they wanted to kill him. And some of the people would stand by and say, what does he mean they want to kill him? 
Oh, but they knew what they were doing. In fact, Jesus drawed out from them that they knew what they were doing. John 9, verse 41. If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. You know what you're doing. Oh, there's a real battle going on for the hearts and the minds of the people. But now here's the real, real crux of all of this. Those enemies of our Lord, they were false shepherds. They were thieves because they were trying to steal God's people. Jesus was trying to give them an abundant life. They wanted to kill, to destroy because they wanted service for themselves. For a few minutes, let's take our Bibles and let's go to John chapter 10. Let's look at those first few verses. And we're going to look at the shepherds, the sheep, and the significance that is found there. To begin with, let's read those first 11 verses because they're going to provide the launch pad for us to understand what the Lord is saying here. John chapter 10, 1 through 11. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and go out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now for just a few minutes, I'd like for you to notice there is a real contrast between the true shepherd and the thieves and the pretenders, if you will. Someone is impersonating the good shepherd and the Lord is going to bring and this out and reveal this. You know that the Old Testament many times pictures God and the Lord as a shepherd. You remember perhaps one of the most favorite of the Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and we could go on. But you see the picture that the shepherd boy, now King David, speaks about when he speaks about God. 
there are three major aspects to a good shepherd. The first one is that of a personal concern for the sheep. We're going to look at that and all that involves. The second is the protection that he would provide from predators. And then finally, the provision to be sure that they're fed properly. This is perhaps the part of the lesson that I hope that you will at least give your most undivided attention to. The Lord's personal concern. Verse 3, he calls his own sheep by name. Thursday evening when I was teaching a class out at Bethany, I was talking about a cow and particularly in one of the photos and made mention of the fact that we named our animals, our cows, our pigs, our even our chickens sometimes and growing up as a boy. And one young man from the back of the audience said, I was told you're not supposed to name your animals. I want you to observe here that he calls his own sheep by name. The question is, does the Lord know who you are? Absolutely. He says, I know my sheep. It's as if you were have a, a flock of sheep out here and the Lord not only knows every one of them, but he knows them by name and he can distinguish them each and every one. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal the Lord knows those who are His. The Lord could stand at the back door this morning and as you and I walk out, this one is mine, that one's not mine, this one is mine. Do you remember the great picture given in Matthew 25 beginning with verse 31? On the day of judgment He will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The Lord knows who is His. And he knows when one is missing. If you go to Luke chapter 15 in verse 4, the Lord in providing a parable to teach a lesson said, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? I know the way a lot of people might think today. He's got 100 sheep. He's still got 99. That's only 1%. Let me ask you, those of you who have several children, maybe you have three or four, and you go to, to a theme park, and it comes time to leave. And you look, maybe you've got four children. There's one, two, three. Well, where's number four? Oh, well, we still got three more. Let's go. You know you wouldn't do that. You know your children, you know them by name, and you know you're not leaving one of them. That's exactly God's attitude toward His sheep. He has a personal connection. God loves you. Not just loves you as in everybody. God loves you individually. He knows you by name. And He provides protection. He talks about the sheepfold. 
The sheepfold is a gathering. There's a purpose for gathering the sheep together. At nighttime, they would go into an area, usually with a little fence around. But when you think of a fence, don't think of a chain-link fence. Think of stones stacked up maybe a couple, three feet high. And the sheep inside of that, they're not going to wander off. The Lord provides protection. Whether you realize it or not, the very gathering that you and I are in this morning is a part of the Lord's protection for us. Oh yeah, we use Hebrews 10 and verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Do you know why the Lord designed this? For the protection of His sheep, just like the sheepfold. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. You know, our Lord doesn't sneak in. He provides for us the proper direction. And John chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But the hireling who is not the shepherd, who one who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves and flees, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. But the hireling flees because he's a hireling, and he does not care about the sheep. I want you to know the Lord is the real shepherd, and he really cares, and he's going to protect his sheep to the point where he's willing to give himself for the sheep. It's like Psalm 23, verse 4. He said, your rod and your staff, they come from me. The rod was used to drive off animals. The staff was what you might call a shepherd's crook, tall staff, having a hook on the top of it. That was used so if a sheep was to fall in a crevice, you could reach over and grab the sheep and pull him up and save him. That's protection. 1 Samuel 17, David and preparing to meet Goliath, said, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. David said, I'm willing to give my life for the sheep. In that sense, Jesus protects but he also provides. In John chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, he talks about going in and out and find pasture. Pasture is where you eat. He said, I didn't come to, like these others, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But he says, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. The Lord didn't come just to give you sufficient. He came to give you abundance. Just like Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I debated about using Psalm, or Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 is such a powerful passage talking about shepherds. For just a minute, if you'll humor me by turning to Ezekiel chapter 34, I want to look at verses 1 through 6 and then we'll... Capture a couple other verses near the end of the chapter. This is a picture of those who were supposed to be leading God's people. 
and doing a very pitiful job of doing so. He's going to point out they've done so badly, so poorly, that God will raise up one shepherd who will lead them, and obviously that is a prophecy of the coming of Christ. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord of God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherd feed the flocks? You eat to the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up what was broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for the beasts of the field, and they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. You see, a real good shepherd looks out for the sheep to provide for the sheep. And he said, what you're doing is providing for yourself. Oh, as you go further, verses 18 and 19, he said, is it too little for you that you've eaten up the good pasture that you must tread it down with the residue of your pasture? And you have drunk the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? The picture what he has given is, here are the sheep, they've eaten the very best, but what they've done, they've trodden down what little was left, and there was nothing left for the real sheep to eat. They drank the clear water, but they didn't just drink the clear water, they stood in the the stream and they fouled the waters for those who would follow. In Matthew 23, he gives a picture of those who would not enter the kingdom of God and they prevented others from doing so as well. Now you see Jesus is the good shepherd in contrast to those pretenders. But now let's talk about the sheep for just a moment. Let's look at verses 3 and 4 and 14. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings them out, his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. Notice, the sheep listen to his voice. They know he's the shepherd. Back in John chapter 8, verse 31, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. All through this, Jesus has been saying, Are you listening to me or are you listening to men? The sheep follow him. Jesus said that a man should deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow him. He says, I am known by my own. 
You know, just like the great shepherd here knows each of his sheep, even knows them by their name, real sheep know the shepherd. They recognize his voice. They know who he is. Good sheep know the shepherd. We as sheep need a good shepherd. We have to recognize our own vulnerability. Isaiah 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned aside everyone to his own way. Every one of us have walked off at one time or another. In 1 Peter 2.25 he would say, For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. But in this context, he's going to just give you a glimpse, if you will, of God's divine plan. He says, I've got other sheep. Verse 16, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them I also must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Isaiah 49, verse 6, prophesied of the coming, not just of Jesus to be the shepherd of the Jews, but of the Gentiles as well. That's like 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks. Oh, all of us are part of that one fold of these sheep. But there's something significant. Don't lose what's going on here. You have to remember, Jesus has been in the temple. He's been teaching. Same people, same event from the Feast of Tabernacles all the way to this present time. And he looks at those people who are trying to kill him and he says to them, but you do not believe because you're not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. These are not the Lord's sheep. Those who are trying to work against him. Now for just a minute or two, I want to talk about some of the significance of this. When you and I read the scriptures, we have to realize, yes, there was a context in which that appeared. And there was a life and event that was there. But there's something of significance. And this event contrasted Jesus' concern for those suffering versus those who just used people. You can tell a true shepherd because a shepherd doesn't look at the sheep to provide for him. He looks at the sheep that he provides for the sheep. That he really cares. If I could persuade you of one thing this morning, it's that God cares about you individually, personally. And if you're straying away, He wants you to come back home. In fact, He's seeking and searching for you. You see, when you look at the blind man of John 9, in John 9 and verse 34 we read, they said, you were completely born in sins and you were teaching us. And they cast him out. They looked at that blind man as worthless. We don't need him. God looks differently. Many looked at others as having no value. 
If you remember Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, he spoke this parable that some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Luke 19, verse 7, he, they saw it, they all complained, saying, he's going to be the guest of the man who's a sinner. Well, guess what? Every one of us are. Talking about Zacchaeus. Verses 9 and 10, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to say that which was lost. We are still trying to fulfill that great commission of our Lord to seek and to save lost people. Those pretenders only exploited the weak. They looked at people as things to be used. Oh yes, they had their religiosity, their, you know, look at us, see how religious we are. In Matthew 23, verse 14, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. You're out here praying, make people think that you're so holy, when in reality what you're doing over here, you're taking advantage of that widow. He said, you're going to receive the greater condemnation. And then to realize that the Lord, because he is that great shepherd, laid down his life for us. John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus died for each and every one of us. So now we'll bring it all together. Jesus, like God the Father, loves all men. In fact, 1 Timothy 2.4 says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. There is not one person outside the walls of this building or within the walls of this building that God doesn't want saved. He wants everyone saved. There's no one we can say, they're, they're not worth it. They're, there's, don't spend your time. However, only those who will return the love will follow the Lord to safety and salvation. Won't you listen carefully again to verse 9? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You've got to enter the sheepfold. You've actually got to become one of Jesus' sheep. Now, how do you do that? How do you get into Jesus? Galatians tells us in chapter 3, beginning with verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, you're of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Please get your songbooks now. Let's prepare to sing this song of encouragement.
If you need to become a Christian, to be a sheep of the Lord, please come forward. We'll baptize you for the remission of your sins. If you are a child of God that is a straying sheep, it's a wonderful time for you to come back home to safety. Please come as we stand and sing.